Welcome back to Inside Marketing Design for the last interview of season two. I'm Charlie, I'm the creative director at ConvertKit and I can't quite believe we're at episode 11 already. We're gonna end the season with a bang though by speaking with Figma's creative director, Damien Carell and senior brand designer, Romilia Tai. I'm sure you all know that Figma is a digital design tool. It's the one that I use every day in my work as do many other designers in the tech industry. As a company, Figma is at around 600 employees now, but you might be surprised to learn in this episode just how small their brand design team is in comparison to that. Damien and Aurelia shared loads of great insights in this episode about how they get their work done efficiently as a small team, including ways that they invite others in the company to dive in and use Figma themselves to create assets, which I thought was really interesting. Before we get into all that though, let me tell you about our season sponsor, Webflow. It's called a no-code website building tool because it actually writes the code for you as you work in the Webflow designer and you add elements and change settings just like you would in a design tool. The CMS makes it really powerful for working with dynamic content too, so if you are a designer on a small team, it could be a great choice choice for your marketing website. Check it out at insidemarketingdesign.co slash webflow. But now let's get into the episode and take a look inside marketing design at Figma. Welcome to the show, Romilia and Damien. Really excited to have you here. I'm a big fan of Figma. Just, yeah, big fan. And so looking forward to digging in on the marketing design side of things, because a lot of the stuff that you all do is really cool. Let's start by talking about the team structure, the, the team that you're on, how that team fits into the wider marketing, the wider design team. Give us the lay of the land. Sure. So Vermilia and I are both a part of the brand studio team, and we are a small but mighty team <laughs> that sits within the marketing side okay. of um, Figma. Um, so if you think of design um, at Figma, there are probably two core functions. There's the product side, which ladders up into product, and there's the brand side, which ladders up into marketing. Cool. And how many people are part of that brand studio team? It's Did I say it was small? Because it's, it's small. We're, <laughs> We're seeing it? Um, this is different. Right? <laughs> <laughs> at the moment, at the moment, there are four of us. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to be adding a few new folks to the team bef um, before the end of the year and we're, we're growing. So it, hopefully by next year, we'll be around 10 people, um, but that's the, fingers crossed, that's the hope. Nice. So aside from you and Romelia then, who are the other two that are currently on the Brand Studio team? What what roles do they fill? Sure, we have um, a strategist on the team. So they, they've newly joined the team and are helping us think through when a project comes in, how do we conceptually tackle that project? Um, what are some of the moving pieces that we need inside the team, outside the team? Who are those cross-functional partners that we need to rope in? Um, and then we have a design producer who really helps us get the things done because I think without her, we would very much uh, just, um, I, we'd, be, we'd be lost at sea, so. That's great that you have a producer, even though like right now there's just Romelia as the like uh, IC <laughs> designer, right? But I'm assuming that's an area that you're definitely doing a lot of hiring for at the moment. Yeah, for sure. We need to help out Romelia. She's <laughs> she's very busy. We also work with, and in full transparency, we do work with um, some studios and agencies to help mm -hmm. us achieve some of the goals that that we need to um, that we need to achieve, especially with the small team that we have. They they often just augment our brand team and our essentially an extension of that. Cool. Well, I definitely want to go into that in a bit. But um, mm -hmm. first, Romilia, do you want to tell us a little bit about how you work or if you work with the product designers? Like, where, how, What's that relationship like? And um, how often do you meet or talk to them and, and share work? We usually work together when we're working on product launch 
features or assets. Mm-hmm. So I usually go to the product designers to explain to me, like, how does this work? What am I looking at? And what is it for? And that helps inform me what the design is going to look like at the end, um, how to bring this story to life. So uh, we work together closely in those moments. Maybe we could go into that right now, because I know that there's a recent launch coming up as we're recording this, but like it'll already be out by the time this this goes live of, of a commenting feature. Do you want to take us through um, where that started? Maybe let's start there. The, the commenting feature is actually an interesting one in that it's um... It's an update to our commenting, our core commenting functionality. So it has some huge sweeping changes that are going to affect you know, everyone that uses the product. So what we are doing with this launch is it's, um, we're announcing it. We're going to be talking very openly about it, um, some of the new visual changes. And we are going to be then rolling it out over the course of a month. So our, our more typical launches, we have a kind of day and date approach where we launch it on social, we talk about it on social. Everyone usually, as they open up Figma that day, they'll maybe see some sort of modal Mm -hmm. explains the new feature. Our team usually creates those assets. So we often work with with the product design team um, to understand the product, the, the feature pretty deeply, as deeply as we can. And we will collaborate with them um, as well as another team that we have uh, that works on product education. So they will perhaps help us out with animation or other kinds of um, cool. assets that we might need to create to truly explain that 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 feature. And where does um, the, is, or is there even a brief that comes as part of this? Or is it kind of like, you know, this feature is coming down, you know that you're going to have to do some brand design stuff for it. So you start talking to the product designers um, or is there someone on the marketing side who is like, hey, Brand Studio, I need this thing from you. It's it's an evolving and changing process. But mm-hmm. um, what we often work with a PMM, a product marketing manager, and they will come up with a go-to-market plan. And then within that plan, there will be uh, some tactics that um, we often look at and try to kind of derive. Like, well, what is this? How are we going to communicate that and be true to the brand and be very clear and cogent with whatever we're delivering. So it looks like the product, but it Mm. also has that sort of layer or lens of brand on top of it. And sometimes a creative brief will be drafted out of that and, and we will receive that and, you know, go over that and then have a kickoff to like talk through that. We have been moving more to a co-authoring process though, which has been pretty exciting. And in this process, we come to the table really, really early days. We don't really ask the PMM or the requester to have a ton of prepared answers. Okay. We're really looking at like, what are the goals of this? What are, what are some of the dates if it's tied to a launch? Um, really high level questions. They may, they may have those answers with them. And then together we start to think about, well, what shape does this take? And this allows us to be a little bit more collaborative. It kind of removes us from being um, a more transactional based relationship, which I think creative briefs can tend to do that. It's often on the onus of the requester to really answer all those questions, like have a really specific requests and um, and good and well-intentioned. You know, they, they want to make sure that the lift is pretty low on our side. But what we want to do is we really want to be creative collaborators and we want to have an opportunity to come together and really think about well, what should this thing be? Like, what shape should it take? I like that. So is that something that um, the whole brand studio team is involved in those conversations in that early phase discussion? 
It depends on the project. If it's a bigger project, we'd like to get as many folks on the team. <laughs> We're small, so it doesn't really take <laughs> much, I guess. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but um, we want to be sure that there's no like game of telephone that we're playing. So if we've identified, oh, Vermilion is probably going to work on that project, it's important to have Vermilion in the room like, talking about the project when we're all talking about the project. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, Amelia, I'm assuming you were the designer on this, like the things for this recent commenting feature? Well, Damien and I both collaborated on it. Since we're small, we tend to stretch a little. So Damien will say, hey, I'll take this and then pass it on. And I'll say, okay, let me finish it. <laughs> but I, I think what I want to add to this process, the briefing process, is that we, like Damien said, we try to be as crystal clear in the very beginning about not just deliverables, but what we're trying to solve and and what the shape of that is going to take. Um, and lately, we've been trying to hand off these marketing assets as like um, enablement resources for our partners. So we're not just like constantly creating the things that they need. So um, think about like sticker sheets or illustration component libraries, templates, like all the things that they can easily grab to create um you know, extra deliverables that might have not been on the list. But the way that I also like to work in this process of collaboration is, yes, we'll have like the kickoff brief where we'll all get together and we'll we'll talk about the goals we want to achieve. But then there's those tiny conversations, those early and often conversations where it's like, hey, can I just get a gut check from our, our partners, our collaborators? Like, is this, is this even a great idea? Am I, am I hot? Am I cold? And then um, we have check-ins with our own team. We have crits twice a week where we come together and we share like, hey, this is, what, this is where my head's at. This is what I'm thinking. Like, how can we make this better? And so there's just this, like, it's kind of like a rhythm or like a dance. So we're just like continuously talking to our partners and to each other, making sure that we're, we're walking the same path towards the same goal. Because at the end, we don't want to be too far, like misaligned, you know, totally missing the mark because um, that would just be terrible. So we uh, we try our best to work as collaboratively as possible. Yeah, that's fantastic. So what about the design process then for this? Well, first of all, what did you create for the release of this commenting feature? And what was the design process like for it? I mean, I think a standard deliverable for a feature like this is if there are in-product um, animations or visuals that we mm -hmm. need. Like on the um, model? To yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, so we'll have, for this one, there's, I think, three of them that we had to deliver. Um, and they're articulating some of the bigger changes. So the shape of the commenting pin is, is, is actually a part of this. But how it um, how you interact with it or how you unfurl it is, is something that we wanted to demonstrate. Also, we're introducing this idea of commenting clusters. So if you're zoomed out quite a bit, uh, you'll see basically a circle with some avatars in it. And that, that just kind of tells you that there's some conversations that are happening within maybe multiple comments. Um, so we had to have an animation to satisfy that. Another thing is the commenting feature is on by default, which is a change for us. Um, it's usually hidden or it was hidden to kind of avoid clutter and uh, and other reasons, but research was showing that people would miss comments. So they would miss notes. So, but one of the, the models that we had to had to create is well, what's the shortcut to hide them? Because mm. <laughs> I really don't want all these pins constantly um, on my frame. So, how do I remove them quickly? And then the third one was a new feature that um, within the commenting functionality, which is where you can isolate a particular zone. So you don't have to just drop a pin, but you can draw a rectangle around a piece of content to show that you're talking specifically about that. So those are three different models that were in that um, 
uh, in product. Then we have a blog post, so we need some sort of hero asset. We leaned in on the new the new shape of the pin. Um, it's a clear, you know, clear story there, clear evolution of the pin. And we also created some social assets too that were derivative of some of the in-product stuff, but really, again, showing uh, the evolution of the pin shape, showing it slightly more abstracted on social. But again, we are talking about this feature in a rollout capacity, which is kind of interesting because we announce it, we say it's happening. It's not happening to everyone right away. Right. But you'll give me warning. Changes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Nice. Because it is a pretty jarring thing. I mean, we want to make sure that, you know, our um, folks that use our product are, you know, comfortable and aware of like these changes and have a decent heads up as well. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense that your team is working on the like the design of these modals and like the the graphics for it because the main audience for this communication and for this like your marketing to users of the product already right so that's a, a key place to reach them. I want to shout out to our designer advocates, our DAs, because we also collaborate with them as well. Like when we're creating these social assets, uh, we create the branding of these feature launches, but our DAs they go out of their way to make demos, like little gifts of like how to actually use it. So they're taking the system that we've created and they're implementing it on something else that that we can share to our community. A lot of the energy around a given launch is usually generated by by them and the things they make. And yeah, they, they do really support these launches in a huge, massive way. So are those the people, the design advocates that using the sticker sheets and like illustration sets that you mentioned creating before? Because when you said that, I was like, that sounds terrifying for me to just create some assets and be like to the marketing team, go ahead, do whatever you want with them. <laughs> yes, and <laughs> it is. But uh, we have a, we actually have a brand review channel, a Slack channel where um, our partners, okay. they can share the work that they're working on that has anything that's brand facing and we can give it the green light or red light. <laughs> nice. So that's like a, a flow that you have with them is like, we're going to provide you with these assets and templates for you to make things yourself, but we ask that you share it in this channel so we can give it the thumbs up, thumbs down before it goes out. I like that. Yeah. And it's mostly just a gut check because I think <laughs> they'll often interpolate some things that we've done and um, and generate stuff that we haven't really provided. But it really brings up a good point of brand enablement, which is creating those resources. It's, it's a thing that... You, as a brand team, we can we can continually get requests for very you know low level or small tasks. And one of the things that we're trying to do is enable other parts of the company to be confident in using the brand in ways that you know are both effective but but true to the brand. And we do have that channel which helps us see that see the output of of those resources. But uh, perhaps because we're we create a design tool. Uh, we have a lot of people, obviously, that are really comfortable jumping yeah. in there and making stuff, which is great. Um, so how do we sort of use that energy and use that to, to our benefit, really, to, to allow us to think about more strategic plays or, or bigger projects um, and not be so consumed by the smaller requests? Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And it's getting more people at Figma into the product, learning the product gives everyone, I, th I think, everyone on the team a better view of what this product is that you're marketing if that they can be using it themselves that's cool okay so now i understand why you can like trust them to do that <laughs> <laughs> what about the the animations you mentioned um who's who on the team is creating these animations do you have a motion graphics person somewhere is that something you work with an agency on we'll often work with a contractor mm -hmm. um for some animations but some of that is done in-house too though we have um we 
have a relationship with our product education team and they'll build longer form YouTube videos out to help explain a new feature or how to accomplish a certain goal. And if we get there early enough, um, <laughs> we can talk about the feature at the same time and often we'll be able to use them as a resource to get animations and they'll be able to use us as a resource to get um, some of those designs that are a little bit more dialed in on the brand side. That helps to have that resource in-house as well to pull from yeah. for sure yeah we've talked a bit about the like the marketing side of things and like how design applies to marketing but let's zoom back out and talk about the figma brand Romelia, i don't know if you can tell us a little bit about how you would describe the figma brand yeah so um i can give a little context first before i go into that so Please. prior to joining figma uh, the, the brand team was already exploring the shapes that you see today so they were exploring shapes they were exploring color palettes inspired by UX UI design. So like bright colors against like black backgrounds. But uh, there was no real point of view quite yet. So when I joined in 2020, the company had just refreshed. The brand team had strategized a, a brand language. So think um, illustration guide, color palette, typography, style guide rules, all of that was put into place. So when I joined, I was kind of the, the tester of how can I bend and break this brand, but how can I also evolve it, which so far has been very good. <laughs> so the, the Figma brand itself starts with our core pillars. It's curious, it's vibrant, honest, and bold. And these pillars really represent our North Star and source of truth, which informs how we might communicate strategy, our visual systems, and so on. So whatever story we're trying to tell should inherit our pillars in some way. But as we grow and evolve, which brands always do, uh, it's important for us to make sure it still feels good. So we tend to ask ourselves, does this still feel curious? Does this feel honest? And so on. Um, and so um, however that's manifested, those are some pillars that we, we like to speak to. And how did you come up with those pillars? Was that like an exercise that the brand team went through to define together? Yes. So prior to my time, the brand team worked with our leadership team to strategize those pillars. And through, I think they, they sprinted on a few ideas and even like mood board, like what could, this could look like. Um, and that's how it, it came to be. Nice. Because I imagine those are pillars that apply not just to brand design, but like you know, in many areas of, of Figma as a brand and as a company. What about the sub-brands? Because this is something that, like, I mean, I notice a lot in Figma, and maybe it's because you're a design tool that the, there's more room for freedom or, like, curiosity, like you said. I feel like the sub-brands for conferences, for things like uh, Coffee with Charlie, for example, the series that I host on your YouTube channel, <laughs> um, they have, like, a slightly different look, but they're obviously still very tied to the Figma main brand, but they are, like they're a different brand, they're a sub-brand, right? Can you tell us a little bit about how you approach the design of those? I think as a sub-brand is a good opportunity to really explore and experiment where the edges of the brand may exist. I talk about this a lot and like always, we're always trying to like find where, where are the edges of the brand? Um, because I, I believe that a good brand has a ton of texture to it. It's not, this sort of like singular aesthetic vision. There are facets to it. It evolves and, and changes for sure, but depending on what it's trying to accomplish, it will um, stay true to those core values, but it will be expressed in maybe slightly different ways. Uh, so a, a sub-brand, um, like the latest one 
we had a conference a few months ago now uh, called Schema. It's a design systems conference. And that definitely deviates from the brand, the core brand itself. But we do use some brand elements. Hmm. The typeface that we often use for our brand expressions um, lives there. Uh, some other elements as well, some iconography. But really, we wanted to create something that when you saw it on social or when you experienced the conference, you knew that you were at the conference yeah. and not necessarily remove the Figma brand in any way, but just really make sure that you had some some wayfinding to know <laughs> where you're at or what we're talking about. And because it was a design systems conference, there's rich vernacular to kind of dip into as well. So we really wanted to explore that with our color palettes, some of the techniques that we use. And, and we know that it's also like a finite thing. Like it, it it's an event, so it happens. Uh, there's a lead up to it, it happens, and then there's a post-event experience. And it allows us to maybe be a little bit more experimental because we know it is a little bit more um, contained than say some of our core branding, uh, the core branding visual language might be a little bit more universal or a little bit more component ties to, to be able to live in different services over time. Subbranding, we've done a ton of that in-house. I, I think about our Friends of Figma brand. Uh, that was actually one of the early subbrands that we created right after the refresh. And so it was like really close to what the Figma brand looks like. So we were using shapes, um, similar colors. We, we grabbed like select colors from our palette. And uh, we went with another typeface that looks similar to our in-house typeface because we were sharing this out to the community. So we wanted it to be as accessible as possible. Thinking about that, yeah, we were like, how how can we still make this feel like Figma, but really special to our community? And, and so like playing with these really fun shapes and fun colors and just thinking about our community, uh, were ways that we kind of evolved it, but it still stayed true to Figma. Thinking about this, about like, yeah, when you started talking about the community, made me think about how, how does it feel as a designer to have designers as your target audience? Like, do you feel an extra layer of pressure with your work? Uh, I don't know. Is, is there anything around that that, that you feel? <laughs> I feel all the things. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm excited. I'm I'm super proud of the work that we've been able to make, especially for our designer community, because I see like how much our community values Figma. But it's also like there's there's this pressure. Like ooh, everyone has an opinion, so uh, we have to make sure that we come to the table with with one as well. I like that approach to it. Yeah, everyone's got an opinion, so we've got to have one as well. <laughs> so we've heard like I don't know. I think maybe a Throughout this, Damien, I feel like I'm surprised to learn that you are like designing more than maybe I would have expected, which makes me happy to hear because I am also a creative director who is still designing things myself. So I'm like, I don't know, I'm like, phew, I'm not doing things completely wrong. <laughs> um, I would love to hear about how you describe what your responsibilities are as a creative director and then Amelia for you as well as senior brand designer. Let's start with you, Damien. Sure, yeah. I'm, I, I'm probably getting my hands dirtier dirtier than I should be. I always feel um, that too. But, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we are, I mean, since we are a small scrappy team, I'm, I'm really trying to create space for the team to do their best work. And if that means, okay, I can maybe take this off your plate and I can kind of work on this while you focus on that, then that's, you know, then that's what it calls for. I think as a creative director, that is my responsibility. Be a steward of the brand for sure, but empower the team to be a steward of the brand and really think, um, larger than anything we've ever done in the past, but also give 
folks space, give the team space to really think about these ideas and think deeply about the problems we're trying to solve for and um, allow space for experimentation. So yeah, if there's something that I, I have to kind of jump in on, I'm more than happy to. I'm a, I'm a creative director because I used to be a graphic designer and I love making, I am an, in, I'm an image maker at heart. Uh, and if, if I wasn't doing something or fussing with something, I, 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 I definitely would feel like I'm missing out a little bit. And really, what about you? Yeah, so um, like Damien said, we're pretty scrappy. Um, but for the most part, my my role as a designer on a team is brand strategy, art direction, a lot of image creation. But I, I tend to stretch as well. So uh, there's also like presenting to the company or onboarding and all, you know, all those other responsibilities. Uh, and the projects that I I work on range pretty far since brand is a major partner with all the teams. So we get to work on anything and everything that's brand facing. So examples of projects that I've worked on are product launch, branding and marketing assets, conference design, sub branding, landing page creative, in product asset creation, marketing campaigns and swag and more. I think the all of the things. Uh, <laughs> all the things. Yeah. And actually one of the 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 weirdest things I've worked on at Figma is creating a dance that uh, we created a what? dance uh, for our campaign that we didn't quite uh, launch, but it was something I never imagined myself um, doing because I don't do that. But I think like when we're telling Figma's story, there's so many creative ways to bring these ideas to life in in interesting ways, of course. But yeah, and, and I also want to say that it is so awesome that Damien comes in when when we need him i uh most recently we worked on a uh, a fig jam campaign and i was like creating all of these ideas and he was like hey look this is this is just an idea you don't have to use it but he came into my file and he like uh, made some really cool and wild designs and i was like oh that's all i needed to like go further and think bigger so i think there's definitely like um great collaboration happening like within our own team that's awesome to hear and obviously awesome to hear that you're using figma to enable that collaboration as well i mean it'd be weird if you didn't quite frankly so that makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah sometimes it's like too fun like we'll like cursor chat and be like hey <laughs> like how's it going and then like just draw on the on the canvas so it's, it's a lot of fun i feel like that's almost like a requisite if you spot someone else in the figma file right that you yeah. feel a little like i see you <laughs> yeah like do i say hi I'm... or do i just let them look <laughs> i always do that when um, i'm working with the the developer on on the marketing team at convertkit when i see him like coming into pool assets it's super fun so how do you determine who works on what i suppose you mentioned that you work with agencies sometimes, and obviously you've got Amelia and you'll have other brand designers joining as well. Um, how do you decide who works on what project? Like, first of all, whether it's something that you keep in-house or outsource, and then like which designer would take it on? We have a resource meeting um, once a week to talk about upcoming projects, projects that need to get done within the next week or two, stuff that's in flight, etc. And we'll just look at what the bandwidth is like, essentially. We do work with agencies to help get a few things done. We have an agency right now that's on retainer um, uh, for us. And they, Fuzco, uh, I don't have to be cagey about it. Fuzco, <laughs> they do brilliant work. And uh, they've been really helping us out um, on a lot of projects. Anything that needs some larger resources, uh, we'll work with the agency on. 
anything that we feel like we need like a, a very like intimate knowledge of Figma or the feature we often keep in house mm-hmm. mostly just because it's it's a little bit easier that way if we don't understand a particular like animation that happens within a product feature we can just reach out to the product designer get a, a screen cap of it it's very quick and easy that way so so yeah often we'll we'll, we'll try to keep those a little bit more in-house um, we are being a little bit more self-sustaining though um, as we go and and trying to find ways that the team can work on most things in-house but yeah we're always limited by bandwidth so that's usually the that's usually the limiting factor or the the ways in which we organize ourselves around staffing projects. So that's interesting to hear that you do like a once a week planning meeting, essentially, um, which leads me to think as well about what else can you share about project management at Figma? And are you planning things on a quarterly, like two week sprints? What's your framework for arranging the work? So for, for planning, because we are often working with other parts of the company, we often have to raise our hands and say, hey, like, what are your quarterly priorities and how do we knit into them? Um, so our producer, uh, Mika, she's amazing. She sends out a paper doc, essentially, that just says, hey, you have like a week to kind of fill this up uh, to see what your quarterly asks are. And that gives us a pretty good, still rough, a pretty good idea of what the upcoming you know few months are going to be like. That's how we've been doing planning to date, but we often have, you know, a few dates that are out into the future that we know that are going to affect us. So if it's a larger product launch or if it's a, if it's a conference, for example, uh, so we'll start to create some workbacks to, to kind of track towards that, to make sure that we aren't super duper like bandwidth constraint once we get, you know, closer to those projects. We also have been showing up a little bit more proactively um, than we have in the past. And, you know, obviously we need those inputs. We need to know what other parts of the company are doing, but we are starting to establish our own campaigns and we are starting to establish our own ideas around what we could be doing as a brand. Cool. I was just going to ask you about that too. It sounds like there's a lot of work like needed by other people at the company and obviously being a small team, it's, I mean, I know from being in a small team myself that it's hard to like manage all the, all the priorities of everyone else, as well as the stuff that you know as a brand team you need to be working on. So how do you make time for that? And in what ways does that show up, you know, in, in ways that you want to be evolving the brand or like, I don't know, um, that you're seeing a change that needs to be made? How do you make that happen? Yeah, it's very tricky <laughs> at the moment as we are small, but you have to be a bit bullish. You have to sort of make the time. Um, we have like a, we have a couple workshops planned for us, uh, just the brand team. Um, for a few before the end of the year to start thinking about some things that are happening next year. Nice. How do we start to establish or organize ourselves around that, around those things? How do we, are we developing, you know, strategy? Are we thinking about, Hey, what are some of the, what are some of the brand assets that we currently have that are getting a little dusty? Do we have anything new there? Do we have any new thinking there? Can we start to push that? What are we being asked? What, what can we be a little bit more proactive about? So we, we constantly ask ourselves those questions and we're getting better at finding the time for it, but it's an evolving process. And I, and I imagine as we get larger, it'll be easier to create that separation between the things that we want to see accomplished as a brand team and the things that other teams need and the things that the company needs. Uh, am I right to assume that Figma.com, the marketing site, that is the responsibility from the design side, at least, of the brand studio team? 
Yes. I would love to talk more about this because, I mean, I'm a big nerd for web design. So that's like specifically the type of design I always like to talk about. I would love to know how you work with engineers on this. Like say you've designed a new landing page. How does it get built? How do, What does that process look like? There's always a ton of landing page um, asks <laughs> that we get uh, for SEO purposes or just for our, our own goals in-house goals, but we usually work with, uh, we have a developer, in-house developer, and we have a web manager. And uh, we also, we actually have like kind of these, these templates that we call Flego. So Figma Legos, <laughs> essentially, oh. um, where you, it, it's just uh, basic templates and modules that are all, uh, it's, it's based on um, this component library that we're able to use. And so we can pick through those. We can also propose new ideas to communicate, uh, you know, the, the content better. But um, essentially, like, those are more of the uh, quicker ways that we've, we've been able to work with um, our web team. Although our homepage was not, we didn't use the, the Flagos. We kind of, like, um, customized that um, to tell the bigger story. So it, it all really depends. So we'll we'll create the assets in house um, again, like going through critiques, and we'll reach out to our developer kind of in between that process. And then when we're ready to ship, uh, we just hand off, and then um, it gets created. What other tools come in as part of the either the web design or just like any sort of brand design process? Obviously, you're using Figma. You mentioned Dropbox Paper before. Is there any other tools you use as part of your process or like for project management as well? We use Asana. That's a tool we use. I'm trying to think of what else we, we use. We've been doing a lot of Fig Jam lately, which I know is like mild advertisement here, but it, it has like it has taken the place of some other tools as we start to plan or come up with strategy. Even our stand-ups. We've been doing our, our stand-ups in Fig Jam, which fun. have been kind of fun and a little bit more expressive than in a doc. We did some blind drawings the one day. We did like, I think it was draw Garfield. Draw Garfield from memory. Like those types of like activities and exercises. That's super fun. I love that. another great like way you can use your own product for your own work that you're doing on the product. It's all very meta, yeah. isn't it? What about metrics of success at Figma? Like, uh, do you individually have OKRs, KPIs, some other acronym that you're held like accountable to, or are they? Do they come in at a team level? Can you hear more about this? We're actually in the midst of, of planning uh, next year, so it's, it's sort of top of mind or, or fresh in my mind. The Brand Studio team works with a lot of other teams. Our responsibilities and metrics are related to other projects and goals that mm -hmm. are that, that have maybe metrics attached to them so i wouldn't say we have like really specific ones that are brand specific that being said we need to set some outcomes for ourselves as well and we need to make sure we're telling a bigger brand story and and those are essentially our goals but what we often do is we see where the opportunities are with the rest of the the marketing team um and try to sort of slot in where brand can be an effective partner or where brand needs to tell that story or, or be a bigger participant in that um, in that particular objective. Yeah, so it's almost more like your responsibility as a brand team is to ensure that all this work happens to a high standard so that the other teams can meet their metrics-driven goals that they have. Yeah, exactly. And it, I mean, it could be just being a more of a strategic partner and, and figuring out, okay, we know what we're trying to accomplish. How how are we doing that? Uh, what are some levers that we have on the brand side of things? What are some ways that we can kind of amp the brand expression in a particular within a particular project? 
uh, things like that. And we, we have to be very proactive about that and find mm-hmm. those opportunities. Some, sometimes they come to us. Often they come to us, but um, it's important for us to find find the opportunities and really kind of blow them out into you know, as big of a deal as we, we think they should be. Yeah, this is interesting. Uh, through a lot of these episodes of Inside Marketing Design, there's been talks about centralized model versus decentralized model. And, you know, uh, how does how do you make the internal agency thing work? And it sounds like I think you're you're in a really good place with it at Figma because you are taking requests from people and like people know you're there from for them and like you can complete the work that they need done. But I think internal agency models kind of break down where you just like blindly do that and you just treat it as churning out the work. So I love that you're also thinking about the strategy side because um, that's where I think the in-house in in-house agency is really key and you know quite powerful. What about um, improving on metrics or things like? Not to go back to the website, but I'm going to go back to the website. How often do you say iterate on the homepage or like look at the data of how that's performing? Is that something you do as a brand studio? Do you pay attention to that data or will that sort of rise up from marketing if they notice something off like a conversion rate that could be improved? Will they submit a request for it? Well, I I feel like uh, marketing, our marketing team does a really great job of like bringing those metrics um, in full transparency with the team. Um, I, I think about like, you know, some ads that we ran, some like campaign ads, I, I, our marketing uh, person that was in charge of that was able to share with me like, hey, this is how it performed. It, it's hard to measure the metrics. I feel like it's just more of like, this, like, how are we strategizing with our partners? But then I think I feel like our marketing team does a really great job of like, sharing those metrics. And we think about as a team, like how um, brand does affect that and how that impacts us um, for maybe another rev on the, the future homepage or like more ads, like what could we do better? Like what read well, what didn't, uh, were we communicating the right things? Yeah, that's another case I think where the in-house part of this in-house agency thing again comes into play, right? Because you get really yeah. get to learn from the work that you do. You get that feedback. Whereas I feel like in, in an external agency, it's sort of like you do it and it goes off into the ether and you don't yeah. hear from it again. <laughs> so we're trying to get better at that. Yeah, that's something I really love cool. and I appreciate from our marketing team. And I feel like as a brand designer, you you have to wear these hats, like these many hats. You have your, your product design hat, you have your marketing hat, you have your brand designer hat, you have all these different hats. And, and when you're able to understand like what you're designing for or what it even means, like I've learned so many marketing acronyms that I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> I think when you, you're able to understand those things, it helps inform the design a lot better. And, and maybe it'll get better, you know, in the next rev or in the next round when you continue like understand it better so that's something I, I do appreciate about our marketing team is that they're able to share these things and, and explain it and there's no judgment I think we all kind of work together towards the same goal and and that makes our collaboration feel special especially that like um, internal agency studio feel that we're trying to go for is um, you know we truly are partners and we're not just here to give you your assets and then you know going back into our corner I think we want to learn like how did this impact and how can we make this better? We we're able to revisit things. And I think mm. Charlie, that's what you were you were you were saying with being an yeah. in-house team. You get to kind of like be really close to the material. You're close to the client. Um, you are the client. But you also just get to re- revisit it when you do a revision and you get to think about, okay, well let's look back. Like what worked, what didn't work? Where do we want to do it differently? And I love that. And I think that sort of historical knowledge 
um, within the team um, is really helpful. And we try to be as data informed as possible. And our marketing partners are you know, really good at getting us up to speed uh, when we're working on something new. Now, another assumption that I want to make, because I know I'm talking to Figma here, can I assume you have a really solid design system, like component library in place in Figma for your brand and marketing design work? It's, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> we actually, I mean, it, it, we, we, we do. Um, one of the things that we've been developing more recently is when we talk about a new feature, we're often using some sort of level of abstraction and illustration to do that. We're not showing screenshots and yep. That's to make it, you know, a little bit more aligned with the brand, a little bit more um, of a clear story to kind of strip away some of the superfluous stuff. And what we've been doing is we created a component library that is essentially our product UI, but in a, our illustration form. Huh. Um, so we can kind of roll out those changes or add to it as we go. And this, again, is a part of our um, initiative to make more brand enablement uh, resources. Um, it also speeds up our process. So if we have a a new feature launch, but we need to have the sort of Figma Chrome in there, or we need to have some sort of panel in there, whatever it might be, we can kind of pick and pull from these. We can play product designer for for a moment, um, <laughs> but use cartoons instead. And uh, um, and it, yeah, really, it's it's starting to help sort of speed up that process a little bit. And it's been kind of interesting to see. To use a tool that is often used for with product design or for product designers um, and using a specific part of that tool that is used for design systems uh, practitioners and using that for um, our own needs, but very related in that we are creating this sort of visual language design system. Yeah. And really, you were talking before about this system for the, the, the Flagos. I assume that, that those are components set up within Figma as a design system for you to pull from? Yes. Um, I, I also wanted to add that we have a lot of style guides. Our style guides are like living documents, and it's something that we're continuously um, refining and defining um, to what Damien said. Like one of the challenges we had early in the year was like, how do we illustrate product representations versus product illustrations? How literal do we get? When are those moments where we can just like, you know, um, amp things up and be super expressive? But when do we need to be literal? So we have, we have an illustration style guide, we have a um, shape style, uh, style guide library, we have our style guide, <laughs> we have all the style guides. But I, I think um, as we continue to grow, uh, we're, we're thinking about like, how do, how do we onboard other designers or even like new folks mm -hmm. coming into the company? Like how do they navigate through the system that we've built? Like how can we make it better and also um, easier for folks to use? So it's something that we're continuously like refining. But yes, we do have a system and um, it's just going to get better <laughs> from here. Right, Damien? <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. And I think those the, those style guides, I mean, I, you know, I think it's often the sort of pinnacle artifact <laughs> of a brand or marketing team is to create those things. But often when we're creating them, we're creating them in Figma and they're actually usable resources so they are they are to pull kind of a double duty where they tell you how we um, want you to use them but also they're really just sort of like a grab and go sort of situation and how do we kind of lean into that as much as possible how do we lean into that tool that that um, and meet the other our other figmates where they are you know they might just need to put something together for a deck 
and need a couple illustrations to illustrate a concept. How do we kind of just make that at the ready um, and update it too as things evolve and change? And it's it's a constant, it's a work in progress, but we we are we are uh, we are getting better at it too. As I've learned through doing coffee with Charlie, a design system is never finished; it is always evolving <laughs> and could always be improved. <laughs> <laughs> and when it's done, you're thinking about how to break it and create a new one. So yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Before I go into my last question for you, is there anything we haven't covered yet that you think we need to tell people about marketing and brand design at Figma? I just want to share and like, I, I, I'm just so proud that we can make all these things in Figma. That's all. Like, I, I think that's super special that um, there, it's rare that we have to use illustrator or like even photoshop um i mean we do when we make our motion videos we use like after effects but for the most part like we're illustrating in figma and when we can't figure it out we have our, com our community page it's a free resource to you know open design like how, how and you get to dig into the files and learn how um folks have created certain things so i think like i've just been able to learn how to use figma in new new ways through the community but also like the challenges that we we've been tasked to like in-house as a team. I love that. Yeah. For me, as soon as I discovered that there was a plugin that did image trace, <laughs> I like don't think I've opened up Illustrator since. Oh. That was the only thing I was using Illustrator for. <laughs> You're going to have to share that with me because I haven't found that yet. That would be awesome. Yeah, it's a great one. As part of the ConvertKit brand, there's a lot of like hand-drawn things. So I'll like draw yeah. them in Procreate and then would bring them and make them a vector. So I'd open Illustrator, do the image trace, copy it into Figma. Now it just all happens in Figma. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. A lot of the things that we, well, actually when we created the FigJam brand, we were experimenting with a lot of hand-drawn doodles. Like how, how else can we, you know, think of ways that y what you can do in FigJam, it still feels like Figma. And so doodles was like one of those explorations and uh, we're like, how, do we make this in Procreate? Do we bring it into Illustrator to Live Trace? Um, but there's just so many ways that we're able to uh, translate that style using FigJam and, and Figma. So always learning. Well, let's end on a really positive note because I feel like, I mean, we've shared a lot of great stuff here and normally I ask about challenges that you're facing, but I feel like I've already heard that throughout this, that there's like the making time for your own initiatives, growing the team working on the design system. So let's end on something that you're most proud of from your time so far at Figma. I'm really proud that I've gotten to see Figma grow in these different seasons. I, I feel like every three months mm. is different. Like it's never the same. And I'm really proud of our brand team and how we've been able to adapt to those times, especially being really small um, and, and yeah. still creating really great work. So, I, and well, and I'm also proud that we have Damien. He's <laughs> one of the one of the my proudest moments of 2021 is having Damien as a, our creative director um, because of just like all the things that we've been able to do all the year, this whole year and just having that leadership guide us guide us through. So I'm just I'm just so proud that I've been able to see Figma grow and um, have our team adapt to uh, the different seasons we've been in. What about you, Damien? Are you feeling awkward now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm blushing, but I um I, I'm I'm very proud of how much this team has put out into the world, uh, given the limited resources. Yeah. My the my second day, we there was a kickoff about our design systems conference, and they told they told me and it was like two we're gonna have this design systems conference in two and a half months, and 
I have been creative directing a design conference for the past six years in my previous role and know that two and a half months is way too short of amount of time to, to, to pull this off. But the entire team rallied and got it done and it was beautiful and it looked great. And it was a really important opportunity for us to engage with that part of our, our design community, which to me is also a really important part of this this job in this role. Um, we have a very engaged community. Our work often resonates with them and, and that's really exciting to see. Yeah, I think people are going to be very surprised maybe in watching this episode to hear just how small the brand studio team is at Figma and the work you've been putting out over the past year that it's been coming from this very small group of people is super impressive. And just, yeah, thanks for everything that you shared. This has been a great episode. I appreciate you. Thanks, Charlie. Thank you. I'm always super impressed with the quality of design work that comes from Figma, so I really enjoyed getting to hear how the team makes that work happen, and I hope you did too. There's links in the description to follow both Damien and Romelia if you'd like to see more of their work, and as well, there's links to some of the other things we spoke about in this episode, including Coffee with Charlie, the series that I make on the Figma YouTube channel. This may be the last interview for the season, but it is not the last episode. Coming up next week, I'm going to do a recap of some of my favorite takeaways from the season of inside marketing design because I truly did start this show for my own education as well as yours. I would love to hear from you too, as always. What have you learned this season? Is there anything that you've taken and applied to your own work? What trends did you spot throughout these interviews? Feel free to tweet me and share your answers or tag me on Instagram. I'm at Charlie Prangley on both of those. Thanks again to Webflow for sponsoring the season. Thanks to you for listening. And I'll see you next week for the last episode. <laughs>